One of the most consistent themes in Gothic literature is the existence of life beyond death. When discussing literature, the afterlife can be whatever the author wants it to be. We've seen the afterlife depicted in two very interesting and different ways in Beloved and Sing, Unburied Sing, during our time in class. But what is the relevance of the afterlife in relation to the linearity of time? Time in the Gothic is a very sublime concept because it's not as naturally flowing as we see it in our lives. The whole idea of death scares most people. That's because of the uncertainty of whatever follows death. Works of Gothic fiction that establish what happens after death create an eerie idea of what the afterlife could be like. But in doing so, it almost makes death and anything after death less sublime by creating a certainty for the afterlife. My argument will discuss why time passes differently in the afterlife as compared to how it passes in life, and how that affects the sublime aspects of how characters in gothic fiction view death. In Beloved, we see the uncanny character, Beloved, brought into Setha, Paul D., and Denver's lives after the murder of Setha's youngest child. Beloved is a character whose appearance and presence is shrouded in mystery, due to her sudden appearance from a body of water, and almost supernatural influence over those she's around. Toni Morrison presents Beloved as not just a body with the spirits of Setha's dead child, but as a collective of dead spirits, including the child, all inhabiting the same body. The use of water imagery is used to describe the afterlife, specifically Beloved's dwelling in the stream underneath the bridge. By using the flow of water to describe an aggregation of past souls, we can deduce that everyone in Morrison's depiction of the afterlife dies and becomes a part of this soul stream. This is exactly why it wasn't just Beloved that bridged the gap between life and death. Souls become part of the soul stream just as rain becomes part of a river. When Beloved was able to conjure herself into a new body, she brought the souls of others passed away with her because they were all a part of each other in the afterlife. This is the part where I present the question of how linear is time in Gothic fiction? In Beloved, it's not unreasonable to assume that time is viewed as a straight line, with the past having happened, the present happening, and the future being yet to come, just as humans view time as it is. But with the representation of souls in the afterlife as being a part of a body of water, is time really present in the afterlife? The body of Beloved that the souls manifest into would be around the same maturity as Beloved would be had she not been murdered. It is shown that Beloved's mental state is still that of a child, despite the passing years and other, possibly adult souls, inhabiting the same body. Beloved never had the chance to be raised and taught a basic human understanding of anything before she died. She entered the afterlife as a baby, but came out of it as a young adult. Despite never learning how to speak, she was still able to, naturally while inhabiting her matured body. Where does Beloved's knowledge of speech come from 
if she died as a baby. My argument is that time doesn't flow as naturally in the afterlife as it does in life. Beloved soul may not have progressed to the point of a child while she was in the afterlife because of the collection of knowledge of all the other souls around her. The sublimity of what comes after death comes into question in Beloved because of the fate Beloved is met with. Because she was killed as a child, Beloved never gets to have a life of her own, making her life essentially incomplete. This is ultimately what allows the other wrong spirits to latch onto her when she makes the journey from the afterlife back to the world of the living. The idea of a person being able to come back to life after death in a body that consists of many other dead spirits is a very sublime concept. The quote, I am beloved and she is mine, concisely describes how beloved is not the only one within her body. Not only does this quote refer to the multiple souls within Beloved, it describes the ownership the souls have over her with the, with the possessive phase, she is mine. This is a very disturbing reality that Beloved has to live in. Regardless of if it was her choice to come back to life or not, nothing that Beloved is or does is solely her own. The loss of personal ownership and identity that Beloved faces parallels that of the slaves' lives that are dwelling within the body of Beloved. The loss of personal ownership and identity is a terrifyingly sublime concept that Beloved was never able to experience in life. Beloved only experienced this after death. The loss of personal ownership and identity when becoming part of the soul stream is what makes Toni Morrison's concept of what happens after death sublime. The dead and the afterlife are not shown as physically in Sing Unburied Sing as they are shown in Beloved, but they are just as impactful. When the exact details of the afterlife in Sing Unburied Sing aren't fleshed out, Jesmyn Ward presents a concept where the dead with unfinished business roam the world as spirits. Jojo's family has a natural affinity for interacting with the spirit world, and although Mam never could see the spirits, Leone, Kayla, and Jojo all could not only see, but also communicate with spirits who show themselves to them. The two main spirits we see here are Richie, who follows Jojo, and Given, who follows Leone. Jojo is able to see Richie because of their mutual bond with Pap, and Richie clings on to Jojo in order to figure out how he died so he can pass on into the afterlife. As also shown in Beloved, we see that the dead are also able to interact with and influence the characters in Sing Unburied Sing, but through different methods. Instead of manifesting themselves into physical bodies, Jasmine Ward shows the ghosts interacting with Jojo's family because of their natural affinity for sight, but Richie's ghost is shown as being the same age as he was when he died. This brings up the idea that time doesn't flow at the same rate as it does in the natural world. Richie is stuck in his childlike state throughout the book, and even when he finishes his business, 
it is unclear what exactly happens to him. Well, I didn't understand time either when I was young. How could I know that, after I died, Parchman would pull me from the sky? How could I imagine Parchman would pull me to it and refuse to let go? And how could I conceive that Parchman was past, present, and future all at once? That the history and sentiment that carved the place out of the wilderness would show me that time is a vast ocean and that everything is happening at once? Here we get to dive into the mind of Richie in the way that he perceives, or fails to perceive, time the way it is. Mam furthers the point Richie makes of time all happening at once later by saying to Jojo, because we don't walk no straight lines. It's all happening at once. All of it. We're all here at once. Mam and Richie are both referring to the same thing from different perspectives. Mam could recognize that time isn't a straight line, as it is not completely linear. Everything is happening at once, whether you're alive, a ghost, or in the afterlife. The afterlife itself isn't the sublime part of Jesmyn Ward's novel. Sublimity comes into play when someone is trapped in the world to finish their business after death. The idea of not knowing where you're going exactly is what makes after death, life after death sublime. Although Richie has been dead since Pep and him were in parchment together, it's unclear as to how much time Richie has actually experienced in his state of limbo. What is clear is that in order to get out of his limbo state where the ghosts dwell, ghosts must, must finish whatever business was left unfinished. Because time isn't viewed as linear in Sing Unburied Sing, Jesmyn Ward adds another aspect of uncertainty after people die with the lack of clarity given to how long ghosts are stuck on Earth with their regrets. In the Netflix short series adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, titled Dracula, we see another depiction of what happens after death. While there is no clear evidence of an afterlife in the show, it is clear that after death, some humans rise from the dead and become undead, essentially disrupting the natural flow of time for a human. In episode one of Dracula, Dracula tells Jonathan Harker after killing him and seeing him become undead, you even have a will of your own. None of the others had much beyond hunger, but look at you go. Dracula is referencing the undead usually being mindless and absorbed by their hunger for human flesh and blood. There is no clear reason why some people become undead after death, but there are elements here that support the argument that time doesn't flow normally after death. For regular humans, we mature and grow healthier as we age into adulthood, then our heart health starts to degrade until death. Life is a constant battle against time and Every person only has a finite amount of time on the earth. But with vampires like Dracula, they don't fight against time. Time isn't what causes them to age. Vampires age with lack of blood, but the clock is reset whenever they feed. It's not much of a fight against time, as it is a fight to find the next source of nourishment. Of course, the longer they go without blood, the older vampires appear. So there is some aspect of, of a fight against time, 
But vampires can actually combat that to stay immortal. Humans cannot. In addition to vampires, people who become undead no longer have a ticking clock counting down their days. Dracula traps his victims who become undead in crates so that they don't wander his halls and bother him. Although time doesn't flow directly in er, although time doesn't flow differently in Dracula for the undead and vampires, they're still living in the same time period as everyone else. Time does not affect them as it would any other human. So the flow of time for those who have died could be considered halted because they will only die when killed. By eliminating the limit of time, vampires and undead are presented with different fears after their mortal lives. Instead of being afraid of time like mortals, the immortal vampires and undead are only considered immortal because time nor illness can kill them as it would mortals. Vampires and the undead develop a newfound fear of depravity of youth from lack of blood intake. Although when Harker becomes undead, he would rather die than feed and chooses to have Dracula kill him instead of standing by Dracula's side as his bride for eternity. As revealed in the final episode of Dracula, the only thing Dracula is truly afraid of is death. This is the root of the vampire's fear of the sun, which ends up not even affecting him. Once he embraces his fear of death, he chooses to die by drinking Van Helsing's cancerous blood. In regards to the sublime aspect of uncertainty for life after death, Dracula is able to maintain and enhance the fear we have of death by adding in a fate possibly worse than death. Taking life away from others in order to stay young compromises the morality of those damned to be undead by infringing on others' basic human right of life. Dracula himself, when presented with the option to die, only chooses to kill himself once he realizes that his immortality isn't worth what he has to do to maintain it. In Dracula, beloved, and sing unburied sing, the flow of time is greatly affected after death. This is meant to strengthen the sublime aspects of what happens after death by conceptualizing the afterlife with aspects that could cause more fear than the fear that typically accompanies death. Beloved uses water imagery, and by resurrecting Beloved with more souls than her own to show the loss of personal ownership and identity. Sing Unburied Sing portrays time in a non-linear way <clears throat> in a non-linear way by incorporating ghosts left out of the afterlife due to unfinished business. Dracula describes a random possibility of becoming an undead with an inability to rest and an insatiable hunger for human flesh and blood. The concept of what happens after death is something that humans have sought after since the earliest depictions of history and religion. Gothic fiction writers capitalize on our uncertainty of the afterlife by using it to instill more fear than the human fear of death as it is in reality.